Good morning. Thank you for joining us for this, the 52nd installment of Face the Truth, the weekly podcast of the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas. As always, I count it a great honor to have you listening, and I trust that today's episode will be a blessing to everyone who tunes in. I am excited to announce that this weekend, August the 2nd, we will once again begin having church in our sanctuary. Now, for this Sunday only, we'll be having just one service, which will begin at 2 p.m. Praise team practice will be at 1 and pre-service prayer at 1.30. There are a few guidelines that you should make note of uh, if you're planning on being in service with us this weekend. First, we're asking that everyone please wear a mask or face covering while inside the building, except when you're in your pew. Second, please sit in the pews that are not marked as unavailable. Third, you'll be dismissed by row or family. And fourth, please do not congregate or visit inside the building. Finally, if you're visiting on the parking lot, please maintain proper social distancing and or wear a mask. Now, for those that are sick or do not feel comfortable attending, we will be streaming our service online. As usual, you can listen via Facebook, YouTube, or on our website at newlifepc.com slash listen. On last week's podcast, we began a study of the nine gifts of the Spirit, which are listed in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12. In that episode, we introduced the subject, we listed the gifts, and we grouped them into three categories. Today, we'll begin looking at the first of those categories, which we've described as the gifts of revelation. These three gifts provide us with the divine ability to know. Let's turn our attention now to the passage in question and once again read the complete list of all nine gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. As I said, we'll examine three of these gifts today. Uh, and these three we have grouped together as the gifts of revelation. These are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. So let's begin with the word of wisdom. Now, the first thing that you should note is that this is a word of wisdom, and that is the Greek logos, or plan. It's not the gift of wisdom. This is not 
like Solomon, who was granted wisdom to govern the people of Israel, and that wisdom was present with him at all times for all situations. Rather, it's a specific word or plan of action for a specific situation. Wisdom can be defined as the application of knowledge, judgment, discernment, following the correct course. While knowledge involves the possession of certain facts, wisdom involves understanding how to apply those facts or how to respond to those facts. Now, the gift of the word of wisdom is found in the first place position in Paul's gift list, if you please. And it has to do with the impartation of divine knowledge concerning the best course of action to take at a given time or the most advantageous way to apply knowledge to positively affect the future. This gift has nothing to do with man's wisdom any more than the gift of tongues would have some affinity with a natural language or the gifts of healing might surround the medical profession. As I said in my first lesson, these are spiritual gifts. They are not natural talents or abilities. Supernaturally imparted wisdom reveals God's course uh, into the future circumventing potential problems or traps that are set by the enemy or pitfalls that are unseen by the natural eye or the human understanding. To help us to further understand what this gift is, let's examine one example of this gift found in Acts chapter 27. This is verses 30 to 31. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into that sea, under color, as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. So here is this direction that Paul gives to sailors. These were experienced men of the sea, and they believed that people on board should escape via the lifeboats. But Paul said the answer, the way to deal with this storm at hand, is to abide in the ship. Now, as we can see in verse 44, Paul gave the correct instructions. Verse 44 says, And the rest, some on board, some on broken pieces of the ship. So it came to pass that they all escaped safe to land. So while these experienced sailors thought they knew the best course of action, Paul actually gave them the best course of action. How did he know that? Well, he had been given by God a word of wisdom, a divine impartation of the plan of God as to how to deal with the situation at hand. One of the important things that we see from this particular passage is that the operation of this gift is not necessarily something verbal during a church service. 
It could very well be imparted to an individual, allowing them to act upon God's instructions while no one else is even aware that anything has transpired. Another place that we see this gift in action is Acts chapter 10, verses 19 through 20. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore, get thee down, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So here is this uh, Jewish man who's been taught all of his life uh, not to spend time around the Gentiles and, and who has believed up to this moment that only the Jews could be saved. But now there are Gentiles standing at his door and he needs to know how to respond to them. The Spirit gives him wisdom and says, go with them, don't doubt anything, I'm the one that sent them to you. And so this was a word of wisdom as to how to proceed with the opening of the gospel door to those who were not Jewish. So we see then that the word of wisdom is the divine impartation of instructions or directions on how to deal with certain situations. Let's move now to the second gift of Revelation, which is the word of knowledge. There are some similarities between the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, but there's a very important difference. Before dealing with the difference, let me again point out it's not the gift of knowledge, but it's the gift of the word of knowledge. The difference between the gift of a word of wisdom and the gift of a word of knowledge is that the word of wisdom instructs a person on how to deal with certain facts. But the word of knowledge is the divine impartation of certain facts that the recipient could not possibly have known any other way. This gift is the revelation by the Spirit of facts concerning places, people, things, their existence, their condition, their location. Uh, it's information that only God is aware of, that the recipient could not otherwise know at the time. As the word of wisdom provides special insight for the future, the word of knowledge allows us to know certain facts about the present or the past. Now, this knowledge may bring a warning of impending danger. It may expose a hypocrite. It may reveal men's thoughts or indicate the cause of a particular sickness. And perhaps every pastor at some time has been given a word of knowledge concerning a believer's private life, which enabled that pastor to minister correction and to help that saint of God. The word of knowledge can be a wonderful aid in prayer. Intercessory prayer is often motivated by a word of knowledge as God reveals to us what we need to be praying for at that moment. Now, before I go any further, please let me offer a word of caution. Perhaps the gifts of revelation, because of their nature, and particularly the word of knowledge, uh, have been often abused. 
sometimes by well-meaning persons who were convinced that whatever tiptoed across their mind was from the Lord, and sometimes by those who have sought to build an entire ministry on sensationalism, that they want to call people out and reveal some fact about their life. But that's not really what the word of knowledge is there for. It is given to us for a specific purpose, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's important also that I point out that just because God reveals something to you does not mean he wants you to go address it with that individual and maybe not to anybody else. It could very well be that God simply wants you to pray about the things he's shown you. It could also be possible that God wants you to share that knowledge with the pastor or someone in authority who could deal with the situation. I know in my own life there have been times that God has granted to some saint a word of knowledge. They've come to me. It's been the confirmation that I needed uh, as I was feeling certain things in the Spirit. Now, to better understand this gift, we're again going to look at the Bible for an example. Acts chapter 9, uh, we find the story of Ananias receiving a word of knowledge from the Lord. Acts chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, The Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hands on him, that he might receive his sight. So God revealed to Ananias these facts that, number one, Saul was in the house of a man by the name of Judas, that this house was on the street called Straight, that Saul had had a vision of Ananias coming in, laying hands on him, and praying for him to receive his sight. God revealed this knowledge to Ananias that Ananias could not have known any other way. Another example is found in Acts chapter 5, where Peter received a word of knowledge about a different man, by the way, who was also named Ananias, not the same person, uh, a different man by the name of Ananias, along with his wife Sapphira. Acts chapter 5, verses 5 through 10, and Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, gave up the ghost. Great fear came on all them that heard these things. The young men arose, wound him up, carried him out, buried him. It was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in, found her dead, carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. There was no way that Peter could have known what it was that Ananias and Sapphira had agreed privately to come and lie about. But God gave Peter a word of knowledge. He imparted facts to Peter that Peter could not have known before. Now, why did God do this? Well, we keep reading. Verse 11 says, Great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. So God began the process of a great revival through the use of this word of knowledge. 
helper. Let me relate to you just one time in my own life here at the Truth Church in Olathe where God gave me a word of knowledge. There was a time many years ago uh, we had a single young lady and her mom and dad were coming to church and this lady showed up one night with a Hispanic man. He was introduced as her fiance. Now this man did not speak any English. The parents were concerned. I didn't know anything about uh, this young lady seeing this young man. It was not something that had been discussed with me. The parents had allowed this to go on and then they just had some real concerns about it. They convinced him to come to church. While we were in service, the Holy Ghost was moving and, and I felt led of God to go and speak to this man specifically. Now, since he spoke only Spanish and I speak very, very little of that language, uh, I had to get an interpreter. So I got one of the men to come and interpret for me. And you can imagine the shocked look on the interpreter's face when, when I uh, turned to the interpreter and said to him, tell this man he's already married and he has a family in Mexico. The interpreter's mouth fell open, his eyes widened, and he looked at me as if to say, are you sure you want me to say this? And so I assured him, yes, I, this is exactly what God has told me. I want you to relay it to him. And so when the interpreter looked at him and in Spanish told him, you have a wife already, you have a family already, and they are in Mexico, the man then admitted that this was the case. Of course, the parents thanked me profusely. Uh, they'd gotten the answer. There was no way their daughter could marry a man, obviously, that was already married, and it was the end of that relationship. Well, they didn't have to thank me. It was not something I knew. It was not something I was guessing at. It was a word of knowledge God imparted to me at that moment for the sake of sparing this young lady from, from much misery. So as you can see, the word of knowledge is the divine impartation of facts and information that the recipient could not otherwise know. Um, so let's move now to the third and final gift of Revelation, which is the discerning of spirits. This gift is closely related to the first two in that when you put them together, the three of them encompass all the information that can be known. Facts, events, purposes, motives, origin, destiny, whether human, divine, devilish, natural, supernatural, past, present, future. When you take a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits, that is the entirety of knowledge that can be known by man. This gift gives a special insight into the spirit realm. It's often conveyed in order to provide the recipient with certain information, again, which could not be known with certainty otherwise. It should be noted early on that this is the discerning of spirits and not merely discernment. It's not mind reading. It's used to discern or to know with assurance whether the source of certain words or behavior is motivated by the Spirit of God, by an evil spirit, by an overzealous person carried away by emotionalism, or someone's unknown hidden agenda. Uh, there, there are three types of spirits mentioned in the Scripture. The Spirit of God, 
evil spirits and men's spirits. And so uh, whatever is happening at, at the moment uh, might require that we would be able to discern uh, what is motivating, what is driving this situation. Is this being done by the power of God? Is it being done by demonic influence? Or is it simply a human spirit that's involved here? Uh, it's, it's safe to say that many manifestations that are presented to be the Holy Ghost uh, are in fact the outworking of a human spirit. There are people who are overzealous, perhaps even with pure motives, that have manifested what others presume to be a spiritual gift when it really was only a thought that came to them in a moment of inspiration or during the moving of the Holy Ghost in a service. Now listen, no one is so spiritual that every thought or idea he has should be assumed to come from God. Our suspicions are not to be categorized as the discerning of spirits. These suspicions are often the product of our own prejudices, our own biases, or even our own overactive imaginations. The discerning of spirits is different from determining someone's mood or disposition, whether it's temp uh, temporary or temperamental. And I would also like to point out that revealing facts about diseases or uh, something else is not the discerning of spirits. Someone calls someone out and said, you've got a back problem. That's not the discerning of spirits. That would be a word of knowledge if it's real and if it's of God. But there is an exception because there are times that uh, a disease could be caused by a spirit of infirmity. Luke 13, 11, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And so the Bible does speak of a spirit of infirmity. And when this sickness is not just physical, although I think it's safe to say most of the time sicknesses are merely physical, there are times when they are uh, an attack of the devil. And at those moments, the discerning of spirits would come in handy to know that we're not needing the gift of healing here. Uh, what we are needing is the discerning of spirits so we can take authority over that spirit of infirmity, bind and cast out that spirit. Paul was granted the discerning of spirits with the damsel that followed him. She was speaking truth. The Bible says that she came along behind him saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. But Paul was grieved and turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now again, she's speaking truth, but God granted to Paul the discerning of spirits so that he could know, though she's speaking truth, this is being demonically motivated. Uh, and again, I could go through many examples where I've had God uh, grant to me the discerning of spirits just to be around someone, to see someone and know God immediately speak to me. I can tell you of situations where God has told me this individual has a lying spirit or, or this individual has a spirit of adultery. And by knowing the kind of spirit that's motivating them, I then knew how to proceed in trying to deal with them.
So the discerning of spirits is the divine revelation of the spirit behind a person's actions, words, or lifestyles. And as I bring this podcast to a close, let me share with you some wisdom that an elder imparted to me many years ago. He looked at me very sternly and he said, son, in this day and age, we must have discernment. And saints, I believe that is true now more than ever before. Let me say once again how much I appreciate you joining us today. Also, I want to remind you that we are here to help you in any way we can. If there is anything you need, please don't hesitate to contact us. Send your prayer request to prayer at olathetruth.com. Be sure and join us this weekend for our service at 2 p.m. on Sunday. If you cannot be present, uh, listen to our live stream via Facebook, YouTube, or our website, newlifepc.com slash listen. Until our next podcast, take care and God bless.